Greetings and welcome to A Stone in Zion, the weekly podcast of Zion Lutheran Church. Uh, I've had a guest on here for the last, I don't know, maybe four or five weeks, I think, something like that, and I've been enjoying having guests there. I was unable to really get one this week, so um, just a few introductory thoughts here on the, the sermon. As I mentioned there a few times, this is the week of transfiguration, which I always think is like a bridge between the two seasons. Uh, and as we're getting ready for Lent, and, and Lent is definitely on my thoughts here as we um, go into the next week with Ash Wednesday coming up here on Wednesday and getting ready to start that, that Lenten journey again, as I always think of it, those 40 days of preparation for Easter. If you count, don't count the, the Sundays, you know, it's 40 days to Easter. Um, and for me, it's always a special time of year. It's a time to, to maybe do a little bit more self-reflection, a time to think about our own sins. It's so easy to not do that in our lives. Um, it's so easy to just go living our lives um, on cruise control, as you could say. But sometimes these changes in the seasons, uh, they cause us to do a little reflection. And I hope that that's what uh, this season of Lent can, can afford for you as a time to maybe reflect a little bit on, on our sins. And then, of course, because the, they're the cause of Jesus' suffering. And then, of course, to think about Jesus um, as our Savior, yeah, as doing that work. Um, it's often a time when people uh, think of how sad it is that Jesus suffered and died. And I always think, well, you know, Jesus did this willingly. We don't need to maybe focus so much on how sad it is that he suffered and died for our sins, but that instead we can focus in on what that means for us. So uh, without any further ado, I'll go ahead and play the, uh, play the sermon for you on Transfiguration. Blessings to you. Our gospel will also serve as the text for our sermon today, and it comes to us from Luke chapter 9. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. This is the gospel of our Lord. Our gospel lesson will serve as our text for today. 
comes to us from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. It is Luke's account of the transfiguration of Christ. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow loved, beloved of Christ, if a person really loves another person, usually they love that person for who they are. It wouldn't really make sense for a person to love someone and then want to totally change who they are and what they're all about. Like taking a, a person who's like a, a round peg and forcing them to a square hole. It's, it's not going to make much sense. How does a person get another person to love them? Well, it's usually through gentle persuasion. Here in our gospel lesson for today, we see Jesus showing himself in all of his glory. And I imagine that if you or I or anyone else was there on that Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, you couldn't help but be awed by his glory. To be amazed at him and in a way to be forced to recognize that Jesus is the Lord and to love him. I think that when you are in God's presence and you see the glory of the Lord in front of you, you have no choice. And I think we can kind of see how, how Peter, when he saw Jesus in his glory, he said that uh, it's good, Lord, for us to be here. But it didn't remain, right? It was just a brief moment. And then Jesus went down from the Mount of Glory. What? Why? Well, I guess that's mainly because God is not in the game of forcing people to love him. If Jesus had remained in that state of glory and lived here on this earth for the last 2,000 years, then everyone would be forced to recognize who he was and be forced to obey him and to love him. But see, God doesn't want to do that. Instead, the glory was only there for a moment as a way to prepare the disciples and to prepare us. The glory is out of our reach, we see. And we see that God still comes to us in his word. That glory, in many ways, is hidden by the cross. But yet it's still revealed to us in glimpses in his word. The Epiphany season is really all about showing God for who he is. Revealing his love, his compassion, his power. And transfiguration is a great way to see Jesus' power. But I think this serves as a great bridge from Epiphany to the Lenten season. So Lent is starting up here in just a few days. And Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And that is a time when we think about the cross. A time when we draw closer and closer to the cross of Christ. As we follow his passion story. And as we will ultimately see that it leads to the cross and his own death. And I think transfiguration is a great bridge 
from his glory to the depths of his suffering. It is an interesting text here as we see that at this pivotal moment, there were two people from the Old Testament who were there with Jesus, Moses and Elijah. Now, why it was those two people, not others, we can't really say for sure. But it was two people from the past who were there with Jesus. And here in Luke's account that we're looking at today from the Transfiguration, we see what they were talking about. You know, they could have been talking about, I guess, pretty much anything. But what does it say? It says that they were talking about his departure. And the word that's actually used there is his exodus, his, his leaving. So that would include not just Good Friday, but they were talking about the weeks of his his of Holy Week, uh, the, the walk to the cross. Probably talking about how he would have to go to Jerusalem. Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and perhaps Easter and beyond. Why were they talking about that? Well, I think it's interesting to see that even these Old Testament characters were thinking ahead to that. When they lived hundreds of years before Jesus was around, they looked forward to this event. And now as it was getting to happen, as it was just about ready to happen, they were on the verge of this momentous event. And they were excited about it. It's interesting to see that really all of Scripture is focused on Christ and on Holy Week. You ever think about that? If you read through all of Scripture, there's a lot there, isn't it? There's psalms, there's songs, there's wisdom literature, there's history, there's apocalyptic writing that can be very unusual and kind of strange. There's a lot going on in all of Scripture. But we see kind of here that the center point of it all is Christ. It all is leading towards Christ. It all focuses on Christ. In some ways, you could say that Scripture it kind of has like a one-track mind. Maybe we all know people like that who have one-track minds, right? Who are always thinking about something whether it's you know, the Packers or hunting or fishing or whatever it is, like whatever they do, it, it, it revolves around that. They go on vacation. Well, that's a vacation where they go hunting or they go fishing or go to see a Packer game or something like that. The Bible has a one-track mind. It's Jesus' suffering and death. It's woven in and out of all of Scripture. Why? Because this is the message alone that can save us. Because we came into this world with a desperate need for a Savior. And we can't fulfill that on our own. But Jesus did that for us. He was revealed as our Savior. And it's that love of Christ that takes center stage. 
So yes, I think it's appropriate for us on this Transfiguration Sunday, as we get ready to enter into the Lenten season, for us to give that message of Christ its proper place. To make sure that it is uh, a, center for, a center point in our lives as well. That message of Christ and the cross and the forgiveness of sins as it comes to us in the word. When Jesus was there on the holy mountain, the Father spoke. And really we see a lot of parallels between this and his baptism, which was the beginning of Epiphany. And here we see the Father speaking, saying, this is my son, listen to him. What an interesting thing for the Father to say. He's pointing to Jesus, and he's telling us to listen to him. How do we do that, though? Well, there's many ways. As I mentioned before, we have Ash Wednesday coming up here this week. We're going to be going through the Lenten season. I think it's a great opportunity for us to have these midweek Lenten services where we can come again twice a week to hear that word. What a great way for us to, to you know, heed God's command when he says, listen to my son. What a great way for us to do that is to come and to hear his word. It's preached in the midweek services. We can do this in many other ways too. As we give that word of God its proper place in our lives. When Jesus talks to us in his word, we can listen to him. His word is the best that we have, right? The disciples could hear Jesus speak. Unfortunately, we don't have that privilege. But we hear him speak in his word. And it tells us about what his, his love for us. And every time Jesus speaks, in a way, it's like we're getting a glimpse of his glory. Perhaps you know what it's like to miss a, a loved one. Maybe a loved one who's passed away. And then you see maybe something that, that he gave you or you find a note somewhere and it helps a little bit. Maybe it hurts a little bit, but also it helps a little bit. Or maybe, you know, you're, you're away from your loved one and you get a message from them. The, you know, they're gone, they're not in the area, but they send you an email or a text or something like that. And just that little message, it's a little glimmer. It's not as good as being with that person, but it's a connection, right? And I think that's how God's word works with us. We cannot be on that Mount of Transfiguration to listen to Jesus speak. But we can be with his word. And when we are, it's like a little bit of a glimmer of the glory of the transfiguration comes to us. It's not as good as being there in person. But one day we will have that privilege. One day we will see Jesus' glory face to face. But until then, we can be in that word and receive the blessings there. 
Jesus on that Mount of Transfiguration, he showed the disciples who he really was. They saw his glory, the power. And like I said, what an amazing thing it must have been to be there. And Peter, you know, he, he's sort of the, the bold one, right? He's sort of the one who always is talking and, and maybe not always thinking. Peter is the one who said, Lord, you know, it's great to be here. Let me build three shelters for you. And I guess Peter wanted to make it last longer. Maybe even, you know, last for days and days. Because it was so good to be there. It says here in our text, so Peter did not know what he was talking about. Right? It wasn't meant to last. Jesus had to come down from that mount of glory. He had to go and enter into Jerusalem for the last time. Or really just like on the, on the very edge of, of Jesus' suffering and death here on transfiguration. And it was a good thing to be there. But it was necessary for Jesus to leave that mountain. The glory had to disappear. And we maybe think about our own lives. And we think about the world we live in. We often don't see the glory of God in it, right? We often might see that we live in a sin-filled world where there's all sorts of troubles in the world, but there's all sorts of troubles just in our own lives. And we would love to have the glory of God. We'd love to be able to bask in his greatness. We'd love our lives to be filled with glory, to have no problems, no sin, no trouble, to have a life of ease. But God never promised that we would have lives of glory. God, in fact, promised that we would have a cross of our own. And so, really, the glory of God is hidden by the cross. And first of all, it's hidden by our own crosses that we must bear. The hardships that we must endure in our lives it hides the glory. We don't see it. I think sometimes we want it. We strive after it. We wish for that glory, that ease of life. But you know, in a way, it's kind of like taking loose sand and trying to hold on to it with your hand. The tighter that you squeeze onto that handful of sand, the more sand is going to fall between your fingers. Glory is a tricky thing in this world. It's elusive. You never really find it. I think sometimes we, we want to hold on to this world and the things that it has. And I think God, in many ways, is teaching us to let go of the things of this world and to long, not for glory here on this earth, not for a heaven on this earth, but to long for the glory that he has in store for us in heaven itself. Here we endure the cross just as Jesus did. We endure our own crosses. But on that day in heaven, we look forward to the day when that cross will be removed. And I think in many ways this Mount of Transfiguration was a great way to prepare us for those difficulties in our lives. It's a glimpse of heaven. And sometimes that's all we need in our lives is a little glimpse 
to get us through the difficult times. And I think that's what it did ultimately for the disciples too. Like I said, they were just about on the edge of, of Holy Week. Jesus was their, their friend, their savior. They thought that he was their king. And he was about to be treated in a very unkingly way. They would see him arrested, beaten, put on a mock trial. They would see him go to the very depths of despair. It would be very hard for them. So they needed this, this moment, this glimpse of the glory to prepare them for it. In many ways, you can think of it as a, as a mountain of transfiguration, as a high. Soon they would be in a low. But of course, when their lives ended, they would be with their Lord again. And that glory that they are with right now far extends anything that uh, any of the sufferings that they saw. And I think this is an important thing for us to remember too. That even though right now maybe we're in the valley, maybe though right now we're, we're living in a, a sin-filled world, and we have our own crosses to bear, and we see sin all around us, but we know what God has in store for us. And that really it was his cross that made it possible for us to have the hope of the glory of God. See, without Jesus suffering on the cross, we would not have that hope of eternal life. It was by that sacrifice, by that death, that we have now that hope of eternal bliss, that hope of glory, that hope of being with God for all eternity. It's uh, a difficult thing to live in, in a world now that's filled with sin. But we can hold on to that promise of the glory. It's out of our reach right now. It's hidden by the cross. And right now, I think we only really get glimpse of it, glimpses of it in God's word. But we look forward to that day when we will know it completely. Amen. Please rise. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.